I am grateful for your, your presence and for, for you being here today. I, uh, I'm excited about what we're going to, to consider today. I'm thankful for what God is doing in this place, through this church, for um, the, the wonder that it is to live in the presence of God. And I, I pray that each and every person here um, is sensing an openness to God within your own life. And so today we're going to seek to to orient ourselves as to the greater kingdom and purposes of God. Before we move in that direction, let let me ask you to pray with me, please. Let's pray together. Father, your goodness and your graciousness astound us. God, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I pray for You to transform us more and more into the image of Jesus. And Father, I pray today that we would be open to Your Spirit, to Your Word, and to Your church. And that we would walk out of these doors this morning different than we were when we walked in. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When you hear that word, when you hear the word sacrifice, We oftentimes, we think of of a selfless act that one person does for another entirely for that other person's benefit. The image of of a soldier sacrificing their life for another or for others comes to mind. Certainly the cross of Christ fits into this definition. Christ, Christ died for the sake of the world. A a selfless act of one person done entirely for another's benefit. But what I want for us to to work with this morning is is the theme or the concept of what I'm calling the art of sacrifice. And to define the art of sacrifice is this, to forfeit one thing for something else. Something else that we hold to possess a greater value. If you were to search this, fa- this phrase, the art of sacrifice, if you were to search in a search engine, you would find a, a book about chess. Now, I don't have a clue when it comes to chess, all right? Some of you, I know you are chess people. Me, I have, I have, I have no clue. It's kind of like I, I, I'm, I w- was, was talking this, this morning with Buster Clem about golf. And Buster is passionate about golf. I have no clue when it comes to golf. Some of you, I know, are passionate about chess. I have no clue when it comes to chess. But I am told that in chess, every piece on the board can be sacrificed in defense of or in service to the king. Every other piece, as valuable as that piece might be. I mean, I'm a little partial to the bishop myself. And I'm told that if you lose your queen, you're toast. But every piece is expendable. 
because the king is held to possess a higher value. And so the art of sacrifice does not mean giving up something for nothing. It means giving up one thing for something else that is held to have a higher value. It's believed to be worth more. You tracking with me? That's the art of sacrifice. Not giving up something for nothing. It means giving up one thing for something else that's held to have, that's held to be of greater value. Which is precisely the call to the kingdom of God. Let me read three verses from Matthew chapter 13. And I realize a couple of weeks ago, as Kurt Covington uh, preached that morning, that he focused a, a bit on this text. But it seems like a, a good place for us to turn this morning. Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says. The kingdom, it's like a, it's like a treasure that's hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then, in his joy, he went and sold all that he had. And he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven. The, the kingdom of heaven, it's like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had. And he bought it. Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like when you, when you stumble upon it. When you come to recognize what it is. When you come to, maybe, maybe you li- you've lived your life, your entire life with blinders on, and then all of a sudden you see the kingdom for what it is and for its value. You see the kingdom for its worth. and The the kingdom, it's like a treasure that's hidden in a field. But once discovered, a person will do away with and forget about any and everything else. Where a man will sell all that he possesses with great joy just to be able to have what he's found. It's like a pearl of great price in which a merchant who's looking, who's searching for fine pearls, and when he finds one of great value, he goes away and he sells everything just in order to have it. In these statements, what Jesus is doing is he's presenting the value. He's presenting the value of the kingdom of God. Or, as Matthew's gospel often elevates, he's presenting the value of the kingdom of heaven. And so, in the art of sacrifice, you don't give up something for nothing, it's giving up one thing for something else that's held to have much more value. And so if that's the art of sacrifice, then the law of sacrifice is you cannot get something you want without giving up something in return. In order to attain something you believe is of greater value, you must first give up something that you believe to be of lesser value. That's the law of sacrifice. You can look no further than a television infomercial to find the absolute polar opposite of that philosophy, right? Lose weight without giving up your favorite foods. Now think about that. 
Are you kidding me? You mean I can eat a box of Frosted Flakes every day? And still lose, not, not a bowl. You can eat a box, I mean, if I'm giving up my favorite foods, you can eat a box of Frosted Flakes every day and still lose weight. Lose weight without giving up your favorite foods. Do you want to lose weight? Use these devices. Take these tablets. Step up on this apparatus and it will just shake your fat away, right? Take these pills and watch your cellulite disappear before your very eyes. Get ripped without working out. I mean, it sounds great, right? If only it worked that way. How about the advertisement, get rich without having to work? Why not just get paid for doing little to nothing, and then you can just enjoy your life? I mean, that makes perfect sense, right? I mean, who here has lost money in a pyramid scheme? Just playing, please don't raise your hands. Which I recognize that maybe if you're at the top of the pyramid, maybe, maybe there's that chance. But for the majority, nah, ain't going to happen. And when you think about it, ultimately, isn't that the allure of temptation? Isn't that the enticement of the enemy? You can fulfill all of your desires. And you don't have to give up a thing. When there's always a price. There's always a price. Oftentimes it's a very high price to be paid. Too often what we do is we sacrifice something that is worth so much more for something that is less than. And yet the fantasy that you can have whatever you'd want, whatever you like, the fantasy of of having whatever you want, whatever you like, without ever paying for it, that can be incredibly seductive. But it's only a fantasy. Because there's always a price to pay. If you want to lose weight, you have to give up junk food. Abs begin in the kitchen, or so I'm told. If you want to get ripped, you have to work out. If you want a comfortable way of life, then what you have coming in has got to be at least a little bit more than what you've got going out. That's just the way that it works. Plain and simple. That's the law of sacrifice. The law of sacrifice says that you cannot get something you want without giving up something in return. At the end of the day, the most important question that we can ask of of ourselves might not be, what am I willing to do in order to attain this? The most important question may very well be, what am I willing to give up? And the art of sacrifice says, stick with me, I know I'm making this a little more difficult than it has to be. But the art of sacrifice says, in order to attain something you, to be, you believe to be of greater value, you must first give up something that you believe is of lesser value. And that, that's the art of sacrifice in the kingdom of God. And as believers, our sacrifices, they're not altogether altruistic. What I mean by that is our sacrifices are not altogether selfless. 
we sacrifice of ourselves because we have concluded that our relationship with God supersedes any and everything else that this world has to offer. And in return, we get the kingdom of heaven. Rather than a system of do's and don'ts, it's a, it's a way of life. It's more of an art form than it ever is a system. But as believers, are we convinced that this world and everything that this world has to offer is of less value and that the kingdom of God holds the greater worth, the greater value? Or does this world still have a grip upon us that it simply should not have? The Apostle Paul, he writes this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He makes the statement, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's not just a, a song, even though it's a wonderful song. It's a statement of belief. It's a statement of faith. It's a, it's a, it's a way of, it's a lens to view life. I have been crucified with Christ. When Christ died upon the cross, I died with Him. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It's Christ that lives in me. Later on in Galatians in chapter 6, verse 14, he'll write these words. He'll say, the world has been crucified to me. And I to the world. The world, it's, it's dead to me. Because I have chosen that which is greater. The world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. The world doesn't have the grip upon me that the enemy intends for it to have upon me. Because I've chosen something greater. Too often our question of God if what, is what is the minimum that I can invest into this relationship and still be saved? I mean, it, I want to go to heaven when I die because I believe there to be a heaven and a hell. And so I want to go to heaven when I die because it sure, it sure beats the alternative. But what's the bare minimum that I can invest into my relationship with God and still be saved? What's the bare minimum that I can invest into this relationship and still be in relationship? Try that with any relationship that you have and see how it works out. When the gospel calls us to the art of sacrifice. Sacrificing something less for something more. And so my question this morning is, are we convinced of that? Are we convinced, do we believe that the way of life of this world and the way of life that this world has to offer is nothing compared to what the gospel offers, to what the gospel affords? Or are we simply not so sure? And I'm not just talking about eternity. I'm talking about here and now, what the gospel offers us here and, and now, even though there is going to come a day 
There's going to come a day when this sin-sick world is no more. Amen? I mean, aren't, aren't you tired of, of the loss of precious life like what occurred in El Paso yesterday? Aren't you, aren't you sick and tired of that? Aren't, aren't we tired of hearing of the, the suffering that goes on a, around the world, the, the suffering that goes, goes on both in third world countries and the suffering that goes on in our own country? Aren't we tired of that? Aren't, aren't we tired of rampant genocide and abortion and all of the evils that this world offers that's a part of this sin-sick world. But there's going to come a time when this sin-sick world is no more and all that will remain is the kingdom of God. And that's what we yearn for. That's what we long for. But here and now, are we convinced that the way of life that this world has to offer is less than what the gospel offers today? Or are we still not so sure? Hebrews chapter 11 is, is a chapter that maybe we, we find ourselves turning to again and again because there's this great chapter of this chapter of faith, and we hear these names, and we know these stories, and we, we think about God accomplishing what God accomplished through the lives of these people, these individuals of faith. Let me just read a few verses here from this chapter. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Israel, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. Through faith, they conquered kingdoms. They administered justice. They gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the fury of the flames. They escaped the edge of the sword. They were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Talking about the coming of the new covenant. God had planned something better for us. So that only together with them would they be made perfect. Would they be made complete. These that that we revere as, as heroes of faith, they were convinced that the kingdom of God was greater than the kingdom of this world. 
that what God has to offer is so much greater than anything that this world has to offer. And they were yearning for their faith to be made sight. They were yearning for that which we possess in the new covenant and that which is found in the gospel. That's the art of sacrifice. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It's a lot like Romans 12. We're to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That we live life on the altar of the Lord. That we live lives of sacrifice. When we refuse Satan's attacks, when we refuse him, what we're doing is practicing the art of sacrifice. As we live life, whenever we care for and when we empathize with others, we're practicing the art of sacrifice. When we bless and when we minister to and, and when we walk alongside of one another, we are practicing the art of sacrifice. We've spoken recently about both serving out outside of these walls and, and also serving within this church that we do what we do for the glory of God. That when we do, we're serving. And as we serve, we're, we're imitating our Savior. We're, we're carrying out the commands of Christ and we're, we're also imitating Him. But we also practice the art of sacrifice. And so when we do things here within this church context, when we teach children when we staff cool kids, when we help with with VBS or community events like July 4th or the Glow Walk for the Pregnancy Resource Center or, or Feed the Hungry, when we do things like go on mission trips or fund missions, when we do things like adopt children or fund and provide resources for adoption and foster care, And we could go on and on and on and on, but we do what we do because we've determined that the kingdom of God and that the king of the kingdom merits our allegiance and our sacrifice. Because the way of the one that we follow, the way of Jesus, is the way of sacrifice. Eugene Peterson writes this and puts it this way. The local congregation is the place and community for listening to and obeying Christ's commands. The local congregation is the place and community for inviting people to consider and respond to Jesus' invitation, follow me. A place and community for worshiping God. It's where we're baptized into a Trinitarian identity and go on to mature to the measure of the full stature of Christ where we can be taught the Scriptures and learn to discern the ways that we follow Jesus the way. 
And if you notice at the end of the statement, there's a dot, dot, dot. Now, it would have been great if we would have just stopped right here. And Eugene Peterson would have been, it would have been phenomenal if he would have just stopped right there. But since there's a dot, 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 you know what the next word is, right? But we cannot gather a God-fearing, God-worshipping congregation by cultivating a consumer-pleasing, commodity-oriented congregation. Ouch. And he goes on and says, if Christ is king, everything, quite literally everything and everyone, has to be reimagined, reconfigured, and reoriented to a way of life that consists in an obedient following of Jesus. Enter the art of sacrifice. But you know, Jason, I mean, the sermon was just too long. And the song service, he did, he did that Aaron, he did not lead my songs. Now, whether old songs or new songs, right? Because I mean, your songs may be old songs, your songs may be, may be new songs. That, he just didn't lead my songs. The, the audiovisual folks today, what was going on? And sometimes we go to lunch and we have roast church, right? Now that sounds a little more consumeristic than it does sacrificial, does it not? Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And when you think about it, ultimately, what, not only what do these verses say to us about us. What do these verses say to us about God? That's an important vantage point here because we are so divinely loved by God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit. We're so valuable to Him that sacrifice is chosen. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us, just as Christ gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so practice the art of sacrifice. Live a life in Jesus and out of love for the Lord. And know that His sacrifice, His sacrifice is founded in His divine love for you. You and I, we respond to these truths by living faithful lives. A crucial component to our being faithful to the call of God is being baptized into Christ. So this morning we offer a time of invitation and response for anyone who's not been baptized into Jesus that you'd come forward. I'll meet you as you do. As we stand and as we sing.